The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. We got J-Lo back in our podcast. It's been like a month at least since we've last talked about her, but we're going to today, Amanda. I'm pretty excited. I'm thrilled. J-Lo plus the crown. It's like a vintage jam session, but also a new and exciting jam session. And a random royal story that I'm really excited to get to as dessert after talking about the crown. Check in on Lindsay Lohan and just, you know, the general landscape. But I would like to start with J-Lo and, and her Vogue cover. Okay. I'm not sure if it's just my state of mind. I don't know if it's the coming holidays. I don't know if I'm like going soft. I found this to be incredibly moving. And I like almost (laughs) cried reading it. The way that J-Lo talked about the deliberate ways in which she and Ben Affleck are blending their families and their children, I thought was like really sweet. And J-Lo just being like, yeah, I'm just a romantic. That's who I am. That's why I changed my name. Like, I don't know. Just It just really hit me. And then my favorite part of this, she says that Ben Affleck's ex-wife is an amazing co-parent. And I just thought that was like really sweet. I don't know, Amanda. I just really, I really liked his profile. Sue me. I was charmed by it. I delighted in it. I don't think that I was as moved like to my core as you were, which is maybe just cynical Amanda. And maybe the difference between who we are. 
don't know. Some You never know. I feel like that's the joy of our friendship, you know, is that it's a surprise. You don't know how each person is going to respond. It's a great point. This had a little bit too much therapy speak for me, which once again, I, I love therapy for myself, for other people in my life, for celebrities, for the world at large has been great for humanity. Do I like hearing other people's like book reports about their therapy? Like not always. I don't know. I just, you know what I mean? Like I, it just, I like I recognize the language while like also acknowledging that it seems like she's in a great place, that therapy has been very helpful for her. She's very thoughtful about being a parent, which is really lovely. I agree. I got to be honest. I did not. I don't know whether Jennifer Garner read that one parentheses aside about her with like the same joy and like emotional movement that you did. And I sort of like chuckled at it personally. That's just the child of divorce in me speaking. But I thought it was classy, you know, better than the alternative. I did note the next sentence was that Jennifer Lopez like does not have that same arrangement, which is the only mention of Mark Anthony, which I thought her ex-husband and the father of, of her children. So I thought that was noticeable. Especially because then she says the lowest point in her life was right after her divorce from Mark Anthony when she was a single parent and it was in 2011. Her career was not going well. Actually, I learned a couple of things. I wanted to talk about the therapy speak first because a lot of articles that we criticize, it's like implicit therapy speak. It's like regurgitated, like you've practiced saying it with your therapist. Jennifer Lopez being Jennifer Lopez like brings that to the next level. Here's a quote from J-Lo. The combination of them, them being her parents, was what I've had to figure out. It shaped what I liked as far as my personal life was concerned. Without infringing on their privacy, that was it. Who your mom is and who your dad is and how they love you and teach you to love become the positive and negative patterns that you have to overcome in life. And that's like, that's therapy. That's great. That's direct. That's thoughtful. Like, I'm not trying to criticize therapy. I will say, like, in my own life, in my own therapy at this point, when they start talking about my parents, I'm like, yeah, 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 I get it. Okay, like, our parents shaped us. Like, sure, blah, blah. You know, like, at some point, I'm just like, my brain turns off on this. I love my parents. They're not listening to this, but you know what I mean. It's not... Jennifer Lopez. It's not therapy. It's not the work. I agree that this is like a pretty sincere and also well articulated and like engaged version of it. It often seems like celebrities are using kind of therapy speak in order to avoid saying anything about themselves and also have not really applied any of the thinking actually. And and I don't get that vibe here. So I, you're right. I just, I, I don't know. I guess I was feeling cynical. I understand. On On the career front, another thing she said that I thought was was really interesting was she credits becoming a judge on American Idol as like revitalizing her career after a low point in 2011. And I thought that was really fascinating. And she basically says like doing a reality show made people like me. And if all I had to do was be myself, I would have done it sooner. That's a paraphrase. Pretty close to the spirit of the article. As someone who covers reality TV for The Ringer, I was like, thank you, Jennifer Lopez, for validating this part of pop culture that happens to be massive, but is often undermined. So thank you. And two, I just thought that was like really interesting. You so infrequently hear someone of Jennifer Lopez's stature really like talk about a specific moment, especially when it's like as like at this point, mainstream as American Idol that I thought that was really fascinating. And also so true for many people. I would say like Blake Shelton and Adam Levine have are only famous now because of being on The Voice. And 
there's just like a lot of people that have benefited from these competition shows. And this is the most plain I've ever read someone explain that. Yeah, it's incisive. It's savvy. Jennifer Lopez is an incredibly successful businesswoman and talent and works really hard at it, as we have always said. And she's also like, you know, very talented. But I like the behind the curtain Mm-hmm. Uh, like understanding of how all this works and the, you know, the, she's not ashamed of it also, which to your point is great, but she's just also, you know, pretty matter of fact of it. I don't know why I was being so negative. I, f- I feel bad. I really enjoyed this and I really like her. Be you. I know, but I just, I feel like my presence on this podcast up to now has not accurately reflected my feelings about Jennifer Lopez or this profile. So I just, I agree with you. I thought that was great. Can I tell you a couple of things that stood out to me? Yes, please. I really liked the answer to this sort of annoying question about the New York Times op-ed about changing her name. I don't think anyone in life, well, this is not true, that people should have to respond to New York Times op-ed sections, especially politicians and, you know, people with public responsibilities. But this one is an exasperating question, even though I did also have that moment of being like, huh, she changed her name. And does she really need to change her name? And, you know, it's always projecting. It's always like your own feelings about this sort of stuff. But I thought the answer was great and like and thoughtful. And also it's her business and she can do whatever she wants. So I was very charmed by her. Yeah, I'll read it. It was very it was nice. She says, people are still going to call me Jennifer Lopez. but my My legal name will be Mrs. Affleck because we're joined together. We're husband and wife. I'm proud of that. I don't think that's a problem. Then she goes on to say that she didn't care about Ben Affleck becoming Mr. Lopez because it's not traditional. And then this is really the heart of it. Doesn't have any romance to it. Feels like it's a power move. You know what I mean? I'm very much in control of my own life and destiny and feel empowered as a woman and as a person. I understand that people have their feelings about it and that's okay too. But if you want to know how I feel about it, I just feel like it's romantic. It still carries tradition and romance to me. And maybe I'm just that kind of girl. You know what, Jennifer Lopez? We now know that resoundingly about you yes. based on your home goods aesthetic and this quote. So <laughs> it's very clear. We get it. But we're happy for you. But I think the whole the thing about power dynamics is is perceptive also. And, you know, but she points it out without being dismissive of anybody else's feelings, even though, again, it's like really her business and she can do whatever she wants. I'm pro. Here's another observation I had. So she did the first part of this interview on the set of the film Atlas. And I will read Vogue's description. This piece is by Rob Haskell. Here's the description of Atlas. It's a straight-up sci-fi action thriller in which Lopez plays a military intelligence analyst assigned to reconfigure a potentially lethal form of artificial intelligence. Okay, I don't know what that means, but that sounds exactly like the movie that Julia Roberts is running lines for in Notting Hill with Hugh Grant, you know, and then she's, but she's also got to get home to like Cartwright and her daughter or something. But I was like, oh, wow. Okay, you're making it. You're in the Notting Hill phase of your career, which is very funny. Hilarious. The final thing I wanted to point out was that these photos were taken at Flamingo Estate. The Los Angeles home slash advertising company slash, I don't know, purveyor of soaps and expensive harvest box that I'm kind of obsessed with on Instagram. As you know, I've talked about it before on this podcast, but basically one of the functions of Flamingo Estate now is for people to take their Vogue cover photos there. And that happened once again. And I'm very amused by it. The photos are stunning. Yeah, she's beautiful. 
what I really like about them is she's not, she's wearing, it's like a, a neutral or like a natural makeup look. And I would say these photos accentuate her age, which is not to say that they make her look old, but they make her look in her 50s, which is what she is. And she looks beautiful and taut as ever. But I just think that like the way that these were edited was very specific as to like have a sort of naturalistic aesthetic and is really beautiful. My favorite one is of her from behind. She's wearing a white dress. She looks like a bride slash ballerina. But I, I really noticed that I felt like this was a different way of editing Jennifer Lopez. And I very and I, and I really like really like it and respect it. And she looks amazing. She's beautiful. Rob Haskell confirmed it. One quick question. Yes. Vogue doesn't have a lot of men covering women for the cover of the of the magazine. I thought this was a pretty like even article. I, I I wouldn't have guessed a man or a woman had written it. I didn't feel like there was like an overwhelming sensibility, which is sort of like this is that's like one of the best things I think you can get from a profile. I, this was really well done. I was just curious if that struck you one way or another. So Rob Haskell is sort of a longtime Vogue cover story writer. And this struck me as just like a an old hand and a known quantity that... Um, like she I, agreed to it? <laughs> yes, which, you know, I don't know. My understanding is that typically Vogue subjects do not get approval, but with someone of Jennifer Lopez's caliber, you know, I, I bet you get opinions one way or the other before writers assigned. So that, you know, more than anything, I was just like, oh, they went with like a known quantity. Right. Well, good idea because this article is great. Love you, JLo. Good luck. Happy holidays to the, to the Lopez Affleck family. Let's move on. The Crown has been back. Season five. I think it's day five since release. Actually, day six, if you include Wednesday, the day it came out. Yeah. I think we've both watched four episodes. I may have watched five, but I can't quite recall. Okay. And what do you think? I'm having a great time. Obviously, I've been waiting a large portion of my life for The Crown to come back and also this particular season of The Crown, a.k.a. the Diana season of The Crown. And I am four episodes in, and I think what has struck me so far that, that I like and that I think is very clever and very typical of Peter Morgan is, you know, this is the period of time when Diana was so oversaturated and overcovered to the point that it felt like there wasn't anything particularly new to be done. And in the four episodes that I've seen, they've used her sparingly and I think far more effectively because they aren't trying to recreate every single thing that you know and that you've seen footage of. Now, I know in the back half of the season, spoiler alert, they're going to cover some things more specifically and, and veer a bit towards more towards recreation. But I think that's really savvy and it's working for me so far. Definitely. It's a good point. I agree. I'm so angry with Dominic West casting that I am having a hard time getting past it. It's absolutely outrageous. I'm just like, I currently feel about the crown the way that I used to feel when I would get home from camp, which was like, oh, everything's cool. It's still warm out. Life's great. But like, it's not camp. Camp being summer camp, (laughs) not the aesthetic. This cast is very good. The crown is a very masterful show. I deeply miss the season three and four cast so much that it's just like less fun, but like, it's still a great show. But like, I mean, the the trio of Coleman, Menzies and O'Connor is absolutely unbeatable. Like those are like just three elite, elite. And then Helena Bottom Carter and... Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So 
That's a great point. And I want to talk about the casting a bit because I have been thinking a lot about what they're trying to communicate with the casting because it's who they pick to play these roles or to recast and subsequently how those people pay the roles say a lot about like what the show thinks about the various people, you know, and kind of like tips its hands a little bit. And so I will just say, even the beginning of season three, you're the only person who is just like, this is 5,000 times better than seasons one and two. Everyone else felt like it was a little, the transition was a little strange in the first few episodes of season three. You love Coleman and Menzies so much. Yeah, I do. That you, but I think you are a little bit on the I'm um, on the far end of the spectrum for, for Coleman opinion. and Menzies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of it is just like it's awkward transition, right? You know, it is like a little weird. And they've been doing all of those flashbacks, I feel like, to try to extend some of the continuity because they know it's it's like, me too. I, I think that, you know, they're very well done. But the other thing is like I think the casting is all pretty in intentional and i do wonder whether the crown is like the show i don't want to it's not souring on the royals but is trying to push you towards the opinion that these are not all people that you're supposed to be rooting for in the same way that you were it's funny you say that dominic west is very hateable if you watch the crown i mean if you watch the affair you're familiar with that my problem is he just has like a confidence that I don't think aligns with the type of confidence that I think King Charles has. Like, it's just a different type of, different types of bravado. Putting him aside, I feel like Jonathan Price is playing Philip in a way that is much more, has a softness and a benevolence to him that Menzies did not portray and I don't think existed. So I have a problem with the Philip portrayal this, this time around. That's so funny. I'm not really getting all benevolence from him. Sure. In fact, yeah, there, it's not all, not like all, but just some. A few moments of edginess and yeah. like almost like a coiled, like, or recoiled. I'm not really sure which word would apply here, but like about to pounce nature that I didn't really get from Menzies. And that was always my impression about Philip. I I do think he softened a bit, at least internally, as the years went on, which is he certainly didn't soften externally, especially in his, you know, perspectives or quotes to pretty much anyone he interacted with, including uh, most people of color in the in the Commonwealth countries. But it seemed like. I don't know. He was nicer to his family as the years went on, which is not hard to improve upon. So that doesn't seem inaccurate to me. But I don't know. I'm not getting like really nice vibes from him. I'm sure Jonathan Price is a lovely person, but his on-screen persona has never been like warmth and charisma to me. He's such a creep on Game of Thrones. He's like, yeah, he's like prickly and and weird. So that's translating for me. And I kind of read that as intentional. But I had a couple friends text me over the weekend about Imelda Staunton, who is cast as the queen and who's like absent from a lot of the first four episodes, which again is, I think, sort of an intentional in terms of like what the queen was up to during this time, which was like not doing much and becoming sort of increasingly sidelined. But I had one friend who 
has seen all the Harry Potter movies, and I don't know whether you know the role that Imelda Staunton plays in the Harry Potter films. Not a likable character and a, a memorable an unlikable character. And I had one friend be like, well, I don't know why they cast Imelda Staunton. I can't not think of this Harry Potter character. And I think there are other associations with her as just sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not trying to be rude, but Imelda Staunton often plays kind of like school marmish people almost, you know, again, like not center stage, wildly charismatic individuals, which seems intentional at yeah and in, in the casting so you know it's kind of interesting when i have gotten the sense that some people feel a little frustrated with the casting and aren't as like enthusiastic about some of the people playing the roles i'm I, i'm not like subtweeting you on this i'm like re- subtweeting the internet <laughs> i didn't feel subtweeted <laughs> And some of me has wondered whether that's the point. That's all. And I don't know because I haven't finished the season, but I'm like, oh, it's interesting. I, you know, is because I would I would say that the first four seasons of The Crown have been just like incredibly staunchly pro Elizabeth. And I wonder if that's if that's changing. I don't know. I think the end of season episode four is when they have the title card at the end talking about the prince's trust. Did you see that? No. So that is maybe that's five. Yeah. We can discuss it in the future. Are they advocate? Are they doing some Charles PR? A little, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. but I was also wondering if that like got the show released. Like I don't think they ever were not going to release it. But given the relationship with the Sussexes and the pushback from people in England and the death of the Queen, I just wonder if they like made some last minute adjustments to soften things a tiny bit. But who knows? We can discuss that when we both finish the season. Yeah. On the Diana front, I don't think it's possible to like add anything to the Diana discourse after you read the Diana Chronicles, which I read at your behest. So Thank I actually you. find the Diana stuff really boring. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm like, yeah, we all know about this. Charles was kind of right. There's not a ton of there there. And also you and I also both just read the Palace Papers. And I'm like, yeah. if there was anything to add, I got it from the anecdote about taking Will to lunch with Pierce Morgan. Like, I I just feel like I'm good. So I've been really enjoying that there isn't like a ton of Diana. Yeah. That just warms my heart that you're at a place now where you're just like, I've read Tina, so I don't need this. I would love for the rest of the world to get to that place with you. I don't think they are yet. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think it's just also if you, because she's so visually memorable, especially in this 90s run, you've seen a lot of the clothes, you know, like her sweatshirts and like bike shorts thing had a whole fashion revival that I have been borrowing. So, you know, no judgment. But if they were trying to just hit every note of that, it starts looking sort of like SNL parody, you know? So I think telling the story through different characters and side characters. And, you know, in one of the episodes that I watched, I think the only Diana on screen was like a billboard in Piccadilly Square. I don't know which square. London London listeners can let us know. That just is like an advertisement for Andrew Morton's book. But it's with Debicki as Diana doing the pose. And I was like, oh, that's really clever. But that's it. And that's all you need to kind of She looms large, literally. Exactly. Though, you know, I have wondered for people who are as not as schooled in the Diana Chronicles as you and I are, whether they're able to fill in the gaps as much as we are. 
But like maybe you don't need to because once again, this isn't this is a fictional show. It's not like a it's it's not history though. So interesting. You and I both know it's fictional, and I I just I want more crown first of all, always and forever. But also I think people can understand that. But the closer you get to real life, I, you know, people watch this and it's a less I, fun. Honestly, the closer it gets to real life, less fun. I find yeah. it because like I, one thing that's also. I think with Imelda Staunton, that's a little bit hard when with like this oldest version of the queen on the show is that the queen really didn't give a lot of speeches in like the last 30 years. Like she gave like the, the scheduled Christmas address and like things like that. So when she like speechifies or like delivers a monologue about like, the, about like marriage or like her role in the church, it feels so dissonant from the media coverage of the last 30 years that it's kind of like harder to buy into that than like Olivia Coleman being surprised when they watch themselves on TV or right. Claire Foy, like, you know, just like feeling her way through this relationship with Winston Churchill. Like it's a lot harder just to like feel immersed in it because we have so many data points to yeah. compare it to, especially no, you you're right. me. But it's a great show. Never, I love it, the music. The, I think this is the best scored season. The way that it has like the choral version of Gilmore Girls' La La's. I'm just like oh, loving it. Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> Which was like a, I, they introduced that with Diana last year, right? Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a really well made show, well written. Like, oh my know. god, the budget has to be outrageous. The number of locations they use per episode. Well, I was about to say, I really think that their CGI palaces are getting a lot better. Yeah, um, I agree. I, <laughs> it was tough going there in the third or the fourth season. Maybe I think like the the houses couldn't the VFX houses couldn't keep up. But the palaces and all of the fake, because I do think some of them are locations, and I think increasingly a lot of it is CGI. But it's looking better, especially better. COVID seasons. Yeah, they like exactly. Couldn't, couldn't do as much. Fun show. Love that it's popular. Just great stuff. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. 
So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. On the topic of Royals, I was reserved a lot of times this one article from the New York Times in which the headline is Norwegian princess engaged to a shaman, engaged to a shaman gives up her royal duties. Okay, so when you're saying you were served this, can you talk us through the various places it was served to you? When I opened up Google on my phone, it was like in the Discover feed, which is actually one of my favorite places to get articles. It was on my Twitter feed many times. Okay. Like people that you follow shared it? or No, like the New York Times kept sharing it over and over. And I've muted so many people that I follow that I get like a ton of New York Times. I have a similar arrangement on an app that probably won't exist for much longer. Anyway, it's a story about Martha Louise, the 51-year-old princess of Norway. Her parents are King Harald and Queen Sonia, and they're still on the throne. And she has basically done something similar to Harry, but I would say uh, even greater distance and with even more acrimony. And frankly, far wackier details. I mean... Do you have a sense that it's more acrimony or is it just weirder? I thought her parents' quotes were not particularly kind, (laughs) but let me find the one that I particularly like. But would you like to explain what Louise is into? Sure. So Martha Louise, well, I would say that she's into, as Gwyneth Paltrow would put it, alternative modalities of pretty much everything. (laughs) And the sort of inciting factor of her release of renouncement of her royal duties was that she is engaged to a shaman who has in fact been featured on Gwyneth Paltrow's website. The shaman is named Durek Verrett, and I will read the New York Times description of him, an American celebrity shaman and the inventor of the spirit optimizer, a healing amulet that he sells on his website for $222. <laughs> <laughs> to hear some more data about her, Martha Louise, her celestial interactions led her 15 years ago to co-found the center, the spiritual center that <laughs> encourages its students to find their inner source of truth and make contact with the angels and the divine universe. She also communicates with horses and believes she gets messages from them. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let me read another sentence. By the way, so this piece is written by Emma Bubala and... Henrik Preiser Libel, or Libel, so I apologize if I didn't pronounce that correctly, but they did a wonderful job communicating their feelings through very dry sentences. Here's the sentence. According to a 2012 poll, while 15% of the Norwegian population believed that Princess Martha Louise communicated with angels and dead people, 47% thought that her practices had a negative effect on the royal family. <laughs> they, they also add her least popular ability, according to polls, was making contact with the dead, which she claimed in media interviews around 2010 that she could do. The next sentence is really good because it just references one of Norway's most famous clairvoyants who is like negating her in public. This is a really, really great. Piece. It's a really good article. <laughs> just like look it up, people. I just wanted to share it to just to make it clear that while the British royal family is the most famous to us, they're certainly not the wackiest. And they're definitely, I I would venture to say they're not the worst. Though I I don't know how you want to measure worst. Yeah, well, at some point, this the alternative modalities uh, verge into COVID 
fake claims, et cetera. I, I don't want to say like denying, but it's the, it's a source of misinformation, it would seem. And that's not great. And that does seem to be why her parents, the king and queen of Norway, seem to be distancing themselves from what's going on here. This is what the shaman said, her, her fiance, Mr. Barrett. When he got COVID, he said in an Instagram video, he searched for a reason and found that he was a workaholic, constantly there for people and giving, giving, giving. He said he realized that he needed to take time to do his breath work and listen to the ancestors and that he had used his white light bringer amulet to get the poisons out of my system. One could construe this as an advertisement for his amulet and also having nothing to do with science. So, (laughs) So reasons to distance oneself. Anyway... Please read this article. It's the New York Times International Desk at its absolute best. So thank you again to these writers, Emma Bubola and Henrik Prizer Lebel. Last note of the week, Amanda. Lindsay Lohan did a lot of press for her Netflix film, which I have not watched. And I got the the impression that much like us here at The Ringer, people just are embracing this moment with glee, which really is like the ultimate testament to the power of nostalgia. I just, it's like, it's like a very funny thing to behold. I don't know. I've, I've been enjoying it. And so is Lindsay Lohan, frankly. She seems like she's having a great time. I think everyone is embracing having Lindsay Lohan back on our radars in a healthier, like, fashion. In a, in a non-depressing fashion. No I, mug shots yet. I have also not seen the film. What is it? Falling for Christmas. Falling for Christmas. Those who have, including our producer, Jade, I can't say they've embraced that with enthusiasm, would be like the early reviews. But, you know, it is nice to have her back. It's nice to see her on Ryan and Kelly. And Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, to just to see her working again. Not that I've consumed the work. I'm not sure I plan to. Are you going to watch it, actually? I don't really, I don't really get involved with these Christmas movies. I don't really care about them. I'm not really like a cheesy movie type. I mean, I like cheesy movies, like a specific kind, like theatrically released rom-coms, not Hallmark okay. Christmas movies and Netflix Christmas movies. So it's probably a no. To be honest, I have a lot of TV going on right now as well. So okay, what else is on the lineup? Well, Sex Lives of College Girls comes back this week. So excited. Oh, that's exciting. Jody and I are recapping it for the Prestige TV podcast. So check that out. You know, The Bachelor's still forsakingly is on. There's The Challenge. There's Housewives of Salt Lake and Potomac. There's... Oh, those are thinking, big ones. I was thinking of watching Andor just because everyone's I, really into it. I do enjoy Andor. I'm not caught up because I had to put my life on hold in order to watch The Crown and also like 4,000 other movies that are being released right now. But yeah, Andor is very good. There's something else that was like legitimately good that I was also watching, but now I don't remember. I don't know. When I had COVID, I watched a lot of TV. It was great, okay. as yeah. one does when they have COVID, I think. But yeah. Anyway, I probably won't be participating, but who knows? Could change. Okay. Never know. Will you watch her next Netflix movie? It was a two-picture deal, as they say in the biz. <laughs> they <laughs> just finished shooting it in Ireland. Right. And I believe that Aisha Curry is in it. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, so you'll do... Non-Christmas. Non-holiday, non-denominational, cheesy Netflix movie. I like Christmas. I like movies that are like fall into the Christmas genre, like National Lampoon, Home Alone, Family Stone, The Holiday. But I don't like 
the made-for-TV, like, cheesy Christmas movies. I'm happy for Vanessa Hudgens, though. This is her time. One quick holiday follow-up, or holiday-related follow-up. Holiday the film, not holidays. Did you see that AYR sent Nancy Myers some sweaters? No, I didn't. Oh, they did. And she posted, thank you. So on the one hand, I feel they probably owe her a bit more. On the other hand, I wish they would send me some sweaters, you know? Someone was recently raving about their jeans and it wasn't you, someone else. Yeah, I haven't tried the jeans, but those button downs, I'm telling you, people love them. They've gotten me everywhere. So it's not a a coastal grandma thing. I'm not a grandma yet. Yet, neither am I. Thank you to Jade Whaley for producing this podcast. Thank you to Peter Morgan for bringing us joy. We'll be back (laughs) next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.